You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another despondent and close to speechless episode of the Assembly Call. As tonight, your Indiana Hoosiers dropped their seventh straight game, 66-58 to to Rutgers, in a game where Indiana came out and played very well early. It's hard to remember that. First 12 minutes of the game, offense looked good, and then it just absolutely went away. The Hoosiers endured one of their long Long droughts offensively. Rutgers took advantage, took control of the game right before halftime, then took the lead after halftime and never gave it back. And the result is Indiana's seventh straight loss. The Hoosiers are now 12 and 9, 3 and 7 in the conference, and may well be the worst team in the Big Ten right now. I'm your host, Jared Morris. I'm here with Ryan Phillips and Andy Bottoms, and we're going to break it all down for you on this edition of the Assembly Call IU postgame show. And let's start the show the way we start every show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. Um, and we do this every show. We're going to do it here. <laughs> I'll keep it quick. Really, you know, the banner moment for me was the play of Al Durham in the second half when it was 46 to 32 and really things seemed kind of lost. Indiana was able to score four straight points in transition. Al, you know, Indiana, you know, got some rebounds. Al pushed it in transition, create a couple buckets for Justin Smith, made it a 10 point game before the under 12 minute timeout. A few minutes later, when it was 50-38, to 38, Al hit a big three-pointer at the end of the shot clock to make it 50-41. to 41. At that point, we really needed to stop. Couldn't get it. They got a wide-open look and made it. But on the next possession, Al drove again and scored. And, you know, it, it's not like it pulled Indiana that close, but it was when Indiana was really struggling offensively, it was a sign of life. And as this season continues to just crater out of control, you start looking toward the future. And again, Al's kind of been the one guy that has shown some flashes of life. He finished with 11 points, three rebounds, and two assists. Um, and so that was that was the banner moment for me, uh, his play right there. But uh, banner moments, obviously, few and far between when you are losing by eight points at Rutgers in a game that you desperately need to snap a six-game losing streak. Okay, well, today's Hoosier Proud banner moment brought to you, as always, by our friends at Hoosier Proud and Home Field. At homefieldapparel.com, you will find the comfiest and most unique licensed IU apparel available anywhere. At HoosierProud.com, you will find great state of Indiana-themed apparel while sending 10% of your purchase to causes around Indiana, like Down Syndrome of Indiana. Both brands were started by an IU grad, and all Hoosier Proud and Homefield apparel is designed and printed out of Indianapolis. And with Big Ten basketball in full swing, be sure to check out Homefield's IU Basketball Champions t-shirt featuring IU's five championship years, a feat that no other Big Ten school has accomplished. And of course, the tri-blend hoodie with the old IU Bison logo. It's as comfortable as a sweatshirt can be. And in these times of polar vortex, both in terms of Indiana shooting and the weather outside, you need a comfortable tri-blend hoodie. Trust me. And of course, don't forget to use the promo code assembly at checkout for 15% off your order on either site. That's promo code assembly at HoosierProud.com and HomeFieldApparel.com. All right, well, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. And we will start with Andy Bottoms. Andy, your bottoms line on yet another disappointing Indiana performance. 
to a certain extent, I feel like you could just replay my comments after the Michigan game, but I'll try to come up with something original. Uh, a couple of things struck me as you as you went to the game was the big run to end the first half and start the second half. IU had gone up by 10 points. Al had a nice drive, went up 29 to 19. And just to show how fleeting IU's confidence is, um, it, almost immediately they give up a layup down the other side. Baker gets a you know head of steam coming down. Fitzner doesn't isn't able to move his feet fast enough to cut off the drive, and you know you give up two points away right away there. Romeo takes a long two early in the shot clock, misses the front end of a one and one, and then IU turns the ball over on three of the, their last three possessions of the half. Turn it over on two of the first four possessions of the of the second half. Three of the or actually three of the first six took bad shots, took a lot of threes, and everything just started to go completely downhill uh, for him at that point and or for the team at that point. And it just shows even with the break for halftime, it's still just, you know, they couldn't write the ship and, and the things just kept going downhill from there. I think that shows just how, how fleeting they were. And then you got another stretch where you just don't have, um, you know, nobody really wanted to, step up it didn't seem like again to be the you know all the comments and listening to other you know kind of non-iu people over the last over the last few days kind of you know john crispin you guys had on um you know just somebody to really step up and say this isn't going to happen just didn't happen again and you see guys i mean they're constantly looking at the bench nobody's grouping people together on the floor to actually get something done although we did see you know justin smith and and al durham go back and forth at each other a little bit at one point uh, which actually spurred a a little run from IU, but it was, uh, you know, just to see the continued real lack of leadership. It feels like both kind of from the bench and uh, from the floor at, at this point. This team keeps putting itself in difficult positions, and then doesn't come out and respond, or comes out and responds so inconsistently that it's not enough to get over the hump. And so you see stretches where IU would score on six out of seven possessions, and then they would go a thirteen possession stretch and not score at all. Uh, and defensive intensity just came and went over the course of the game and um, say what you want about injuries and all those kinds of things. But then you have the second half where you don't really turn to the bench uh, really at all. So it's all a lot of talk from the team and everybody associated with it right now. And, and you don't see results on the court and you don't really see anything changing, uh, unfortunately. And uh, at this point, it's it feels all too similar to other seasons we've done the show where it's you get on and you say the same things over and over again. And beating your head against the wall, watching the same mistakes be made over and over. Yep. All right. Let's go over to Ryan and get his rant. Ryan, what do you have for us tonight? Uh, this is just flat out unacceptable from everybody. Top down, players, coaches, leaders on the floor, everything. It's just unacceptable. You can't lose to Rutgers in the middle of the Big Ten season. I don't care where you're playing. I don't care if they've won two in a row and are looking for three in a row. They are a terrible team in the grand scheme of things. Good on them for, for having that run. You got went on the road against Rutgers in a must-win game and gave up a 27 to 3 run. Are you freaking kidding me? At one point it was 22-0. I'm sorry, but this this goes to the coaches, it goes to the players, it goes to everybody. I hang it a lot on the two guys who were supposed to be leaders on this team on the court, and that's Juwan Morgan and Romeo Lankford. They were invisible during that stretch. Jawan Morgan, I realized he couldn't play in the beginning or at the end of the first half very much because of two fouls and he had to be less aggressive. But in the second half, 
post up and at demand the ball and do something. I get all this stuff, and I saw you tweet about it today, Jared. Well, he's playing five, and he's out of position. Whatever. I don't. If you're an All Big Ten player, you make it work and you figure it out, and you get fouled. You go to the free throw line. You slow the game down when another team's on a run. You try and stop their momentum. You, if you're Romeo Langford, you drive to the hoop and get fouled and go to the free throw line. There's things you can do. Instead, we're winding up with Justin Smith shooting the ball 24, 23 feet from the basket. Justin Smith is not a three-point shooter. He's not a jump shooter. He should never be shooting those. And you know why he shouldn't be shooting those? Because his teammates should say, hey, give the ball up. We'll get you the ball two feet from the basket on a reversal or, you know, a drive and you cut. You know, that's the kind of stuff that you do if you're a team that's on balance and is figuring stuff out. This this is a disaster. And this is the seventh straight disaster Indiana has had. And these long stretches where they get spanked around the gym by whoever they're playing are not acceptable. It's You can't say, well, they played good for the rest of it except for that stretch. Well, you can't cut that stretch out. I mean, that, that's part of the game. It's in the flow. I've heard a lot of people say, well, you know what? After getting, losing 17-0 to Michigan in the first five minutes, uh, they kind of put it together and played pretty well. Who it said that? I read it on Twitter a couple Jeez. times. Well, if not for that opening segment, they played pretty well. Who cares? Who cares? It's just, this is just garbage. And we're seeing garbage from this team. And I don't know if this is just a mentally weak team, a mentally fragile team. Uh, I don't know if it's the coaching staff not putting these guys... But Archie Miller said that the team's soft and the team feels sorry for itself when things go wrong. That is 100% true, and you can see it on the court. They feel bad for themselves when they're playing bad. That's not real life. Like, what are you doing? You have the power to turn this around. And I lay it straight on the feet of the guys who were supposed to be leaders. They have to be better. I'm sorry. I've been saying it for a long time, and you guys yelled at me the first time I said Well, Jared did. Yelled at me the first time I said it. When I said, like, look, if you're in a bad run, those guys need to step up and do something. I think that's painfully obvious now that you have to be able to rely on somebody when the other team is making a run, and those are the only two guys you can rely on offensively. Yeah, it's asking a lot of them, but one of them is supposed to be a lottery pick, and the other one is touted as being an all-Big Ten guy. Those are the guys you rely on when things are going poorly. And they've done nothing over the last seven weeks. Yeah, at the end of the game, their numbers look okay, but when they're needed, they're not there. So that's the end of my rant. I, I just I'm sick of yeah. this. And this team is this team is is playing like garbage, and Indiana fans and the Indiana brand deserves better than this. No, you're right. Yeah, but I, I mean, one we, thing I would say, hang on, hang on. So I, I, I like what, that what fight from bottom is is not necessarily wrong. However, like here's the possessions to end to start the second half. Justin Smith had a turnover. Okay, that's not one of the two of them. Juwan missed a three. Fantasy yeah. had a turnover. Fantasy had a turnover. Okay, but here, Romeo misses a three. Juwan misses inside. Juwan turnover. Romeo forces a shot that's missed. Justin gets blocked. Juwan misses inside. Romeo makes a three. Romeo forces another shot that misses. I mean, they're the ones ending the majority of those possessions. Yes, but they're so, not. They're sort not. of a few... They, they're not what, what? they're not what they're Juwan, not taking Juwan's, some of those shots Romeo took were terrible. So you can't say no, seriously. I said you're, go to you're the asking him to take shots, and then he's I, I get what you're saying. The the point is he went and, and took terrible shots at times. So he doesn't understand the line between doing what you're describing and 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 what a what a bad shot and a good shot is at this point. So at if all point, you want him to do is go and use possessions, he did that and it didn't work because he didn't take good shots. So it's not just 
them saying, saying, hey, give just, me the ball. I'm going to go do something. He also needs to saying, get back on defense after he misses one no, of those I'm, shots. I'm like, like, that's part of the play. I'm not saying jack up three-pointers. I'm saying drive to the hoop. Do what he does best. There is no one on Rutgers who can guard him one-on-one, yet he's being timid around the perimeter. He's When he takes a screen, he's popping instead of driving. And then Jawan Morgan, I, I, I know he tried a few times. They posted him up. He, he at one point took that three-pointer, which I thought was a terrible shot to start the half. And then when he did post up, he was soft with his post up, didn't lean in and fired stuff over guys instead of trying to go around him like he's capable of doing. At least get the defender in the air and try and get fouled. Do something instead of trying to, you know, get a hook shot over a guy or something like that. I mean, there's smarter ways to use those possessions. You're right. They got the ball. And that's been that's never been my issue is that they're not getting the ball. They're not using it correctly. Oh, I just bounced bottoms from the chat. He, he's got, he's <laughs> don't, don't, don't take credit for this. He's trying to fix his connection because it's been a little choppy. But no, I you know what I'm saying, Jared. I'm saying use the possession smarter. Don't just like have it be you at the default at the end of the shot clock. I mean, to, you know, Juwan needs to get better position on the block and he needs to back guys down and get fouled. That's his whole job. Yeah, what does. do you take? Two free throws tonight? I mean, four, okay, he took five. Yeah, I think you only had two in the second half, though, but I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, look, you referenced the tweet that I sent about how he's probably getting worn down banging so much at the five, and he is. You did not Absolutely. reference the subsequent tweet, which I said that still doesn't absolve him from poor play, and no, his team needs him to be a better leader. And we came on here last game when, you know, his stats looked okay, but his inability to even, tr- you know, to defend a ball screen and to assert himself – created the big deficit that Indiana had. So some of those numbers that you put up late, like they're fine, but you look at it tonight, you know, he has 15 points, seven rebounds. He only played 29 minutes. So he was a little fresher than normal. And Indiana was actually plus two with him on the court. And I do not say that as a compliment. He had four fouls. He took himself out of the game and they were bad bad fouls. Yes, they were. And he can't do that. So you know, he in, in road games, knowing how important he is to this team, he cannot do that. And, and look, you know, is that quote-unquote unfair? I do not think so at all. When you are a senior and you're the leader, that's the responsibility that you step into. It would be a disservice to him to not expect that from him. And when you're a guy like Romeo who is that good and that talented, the same thing, you know, falls on you. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I do think that there is there's some balance there because, as Andy said, you know, they did try to do stuff the problem is, you know, it wasn't smart stuff, you know, and they didn't kind of settle everybody down and, and, and allow other guys to draw confidence on them. They almost kind of made panic plays. And that's not what you need from those guys in those moments. This is a game. Yeah, that, they that, Go ahead, Andy. Yeah, I mean, that, that was my that was my point. It wasn't to defend the way that they played because they didn't you know, they didn't do things that they needed to do. So maybe we're saying the same thing, but in slightly different ways. But I just thought the times when they really tried to take over, they made such poor decisions when they were doing it that it didn't actually help. It actually made the problem worse versus early in the game. You saw some actions where other guys got involved. You know, the four, first four baskets that IU made were four different guys making the shots. And, and that it got completely away from that where, you know, whether it's lack of trust. And I'm not saying that a lot of these guys have given reasons to trust that they're going to make wide open shots. But it very much turned into, you know, those guys had 20 of whatever IU had in the second half, which was not a lot, 20 of 29 maybe, uh, of 28. So you just, yeah, 20 out of 29. And, and Al and Justin were the only other two guys to score. You, you just yeah. don't have a lot of options. But that was by no means defending 
what they did and saying they shouldn't have taken shots, but I, I just thought some of the decision-making, that was really a big thing. That, that stretch to end the first half and begin the second was all decision-making in my eyes. It was taking the wrong shots, turning the ball over, being careless with the ball, and then not getting back on defense to, to Jared's point. Just poor decision-making and carelessness was pretty much the, the theme of that stretch and ultimately has kind of been the theme of this you know, run of late for IU. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree with your premise that 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 I'm not saying they should play hero ball. I'm saying that, it, you know, when they get an opportunity one on one, they need to take it and they pass up so many of them under some, you know, idea of either just trying to get everybody involved or trying to, you know, look for a better opportunity or whatever. But when you're in the middle of one of those runs, you kind of need to take it on yourself to staunch that bleeding whether it's by driving and getting fouled or getting a layup or, or something. Um, but I agree with you. They did make poor decisions. And, and I guess that's part of my point too, is you can't be bad. You need to step up in that moment and do something that's going to help the team as opposed to just continuing all the bad stuff. And I agree. I mean, when the game started and they were getting buckets from other people, that's, that's fantastic. That's great. That's the goal. But in one of those stretches where things are just going all bad, something needs to be different. And I think those guys need to step up and do something about it. Yep. All right. Coming up as we continue our breakdown of Indiana's 66, 58 loss to Rutgers, I will point out tonight's meaningful moment you might've missed. And then we will go inside the numbers to highlight the most important and depressing statistical notes from this game. You are listening to the assembly call. Stick with us. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. I am Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, and we are picking up the pieces after another terrible Indiana performance that results in a seventh straight loss at Rutgers, dropping the Hoosiers to 12-9 and nine and 3-7 and seven in the conference. It's time now for tonight's meaningful moment that you might have missed, and you know one that just kind of goes along with the conversation that we were having there in the first segment about Romeo and Juwan. You know, five and a half minutes to go. Indiana gets it to 54-47. to 54 to 47 huge opportunity to get a stop and Rutgers comes down they miss a couple shots but they get two offensive rebounds to end up getting the score and Juwan got burned for the second rebound I mean he just got kind of manhandled and tossed to the side that's a rebound that he has to get because it wasn't like he was in bad position and then coming down the next possession Romeo turns it over Rutgers go, goes back the other way scores to make it 58-47 to me that's really where the game ended I know Indiana you know made it had a, had a you know a few little whimpers there at the end but that's a spot where you've got to make plays. Indiana's two big players weren't able to do it. And in fact, they made the plays that cost Indiana those possessions. And the other one that I want to go back to, Andy, and I think you might have mentioned this before, but you know, Indiana really started off the game well. You know, a lot of energy, a lot of activity. You know, they they built a nice little lead, and they were still up 29-23 with two and a half minutes to go. Rob Finnessy makes a terrible bounce pass to Clifton Moore that had absolutely no chance. It turns into a dunk the other way. On the next possession, Ron Harper just runs Demise Anderson around, gets open in the corner, drains a three. All of a sudden, it's 28, uh, 29 to 28, just like that. And the momentum was completely on Rutgers' side. And again, it never really went back to Indiana. And you know, to me, that highlights a couple of things, that, that, that last little stretch there. One, Rob Finnessy was terrible tonight. This is, you know, someone asked me on Twitter why he didn't play late in the game. He didn't play late in the game because he was really bad. I mean, he made a three early, but... He made a lot of bad passes. He wasn't containing dribblers. He just he did not have a good game tonight, which is going to happen to freshmen. 
But also, who are the other two names that I mentioned in that stretch? Clifton Moore and Demise Anderson. You know, and I thought Demise did some nice things there at the end of the game where he really hustled and saved Indiana a couple of possessions. Those guys aren't ready right now to play in a Big Ten game on the road when you absolutely have to win. And they played a lot of minutes tonight and they weren't ready for it. You know, playing Demise and Clifton and Jake this many minutes in a must-win game on the road in January was not in the initial plans. So... I say that as an explanation for why you saw some struggles, especially when Indiana went to the bench tonight. They still should have and could have found a way to win, though. So it's not an excuse for why they lost and for some of the just mental errors and lackadaisical plays that that gave it up. But it does highlight the fact that Indiana remains very limited with the guys they have, but the team, the coaches, haven't figured out a way to make it work with the guys that are available. And while I don't know if there's enough talent to beat certain teams in the Big Ten, there's certainly plenty of talent available to win this game on the road with a better mindset, a better plan, and Indiana just didn't have it from the top down. Andy, what other moments jumped out to you? There was another stretch, and I mean, we probably need to get back to to talking about some of the bench guys, but there was another stretch in the second half where IU had finally scored on six out of seven possessions and made a little bit of a run, although Rutgers had scored a few times in there as well. You know, Romeo made a jumper, I think to cut it to, I want to say seven uh, at that point and come out right away, give up a couple free throws. And then offensively, the next three possessions are uh, Jake Forrester setting a moving screen that you could see coming a mile away. Justin Smith getting called for a charge after he'd just barely gotten away with one before that because the guy was inside the the circle. So had almost committed a charge before. They call a foul on Rutgers, get the ball back, then commits a charge uh, right after that. Then Forrester tries to put up a shot inside and gets blocked. And, you know, at that point, those are three possessions that were really important at that point. You could have kept your momentum going and instead didn't really even get a shot up at the rim on any of the three. And and then from there, IU struggled a, a few more few more times. And, and that sequence that you talked about where they got a layup on a third chance, uh, just unable to get rebounds was was another. It just any time that it felt like there was a little momentum and it felt like it, it's been that way through these recent games that anytime there's momentum, there's always a stretch right behind it that kills any momentum that IU has, gives the other team a couple buckets to stem the tide, and then they never really get back over the hump after that. And I think that's been consistent where even when they're playing well during a stretch, they don't make up enough ground the fact of that is that you've got ground to make up because you've fallen behind so many times. But I thought those those were big. Uh, but but to your point about some of the other guys to come in and play, I, you know, it, it's, again, there was really no choice tonight with McRoberts Limited and surprisingly played. Uh, you just didn't get a lot from those guys. And for the handful of positive things they did, it felt like there were more negatives and they have to be able to play through that. But you know, toward the end of the first half, Clifton Moore had a had a hell of a time really trying to get anything accomplished. Mm-hmm. I wrote down a number of things that uh, that he had really struggled with. Some of that size, but you know, fouled a guy on a rebound to give them free throw opportunities. Goes over and tries to block a shot. He has no chance to block. Gives up a dunk because his man was you know untouched, uh, blocking out, and just you know little things like that are problematic. And Demisi was not good defensively for a, a large part of the game. Did play better, make some of those plays at the end. It, it just there's no place else to turn for these guys and nobody really seems to be able to to turn things around and with fantasy 
you know, he kind of went down in a, you know, a number of guys got tangled up early and it made me wonder. He was holding his head. Well, he held this. There was two times. There was another time he was slow getting up because of his knee. But the time I'm thinking of was where he kind of held his head. And it really made you wonder the way he played, whether either he was tentative to be had there from, you know, the concussion or any of those kinds of things. But he just did not look quite the same uh, after that. He had played relatively well at the beginning, found Justin Smith on the opening basket, had made a three, uh, had made some decent plays there, struggled defensively. So I hope that yeah. I'm wrong about that, and it's just a bad game, a freshman game. But he certainly had—I would—I pretty easily rank it as his worst as a as a player at this point. Yeah, no, I'm I'm glad you brought that up because that could have contributed to it. By the way, in response to my note about our young guys not being ready to play, Brian Rampage in the chat mob said our starters aren't ready to play Big Ten games either. Well, touche. Although I will say, <laughs> hard you to know, argue. Well, you know, here's the thing about tonight is they were ready to play tonight. You know, from from yeah, the start from, was yeah from the first guys from the first guys on down. You know, you saw the bench getting into it. Like you saw some enthusiasm that you hadn't seen. The first problem, yes, the the problem, Ryan, is this team can no longer take a punch. They can't. Like earlier in the season, they could, and things would get bad, and they would fight back. I don't know that I have ever seen a team change like the character of a team change more in one season from before Christmas break to after Christmas break. I mean, before Christmas break, this team would battle through outside of the Duke game. This team battled through adversity. They came back. They were down. They made plays. They fought. They were dog fighters. Yeah, and now, I mean, ever since they came back from Christmas break, like, I, don't, did, I don't know if guys didn't get what they wanted for Christmas. Like, I don't, no, I don't you know, know what, what the, it is. You know what the change was? It if if you know, back. please tell me. It, well, I'm, I'm saying I don't know how to fix it now, but it all started to go sideways when Fennessy went out with his concussion. They had yeah. a rhythm group they were all playing better together to you know Devonte green coming off the bench was a solid move uh fantasy was a guy you could rely on and then he missed a couple weeks and it threw the whole rotation off it threw everything off it threw the depth off i i you know i'm not saying that's the one reason but i mean it certainly started it and that's i mean that, that could make some sense because it's been a confidence spiral and it's like they they can't get it back well now it's a confidence and rhythm spiral and it's well, now, affecting everything well, now it's snowballed, and you don't know if that has anything to do with it now. But at that point, they yeah. were a confident bunch who was playing real well. I mean, look at the way they handled the Butler game. I mean, that, that was going sideways. They came back, hit that big three at the end, and they was just kind of like, all right, we are in. And they went out, they beat Illinois, but they didn't play particularly well. They were 12. I mean, it was 27 days ago. They were 12 and two with three and oh in the Big Ten, and they've lost seven straight since. Uh, no, it's. I don't know what the answer is, and obviously the coaches don't know where they do something. Uh, but you're right. This team can't take a punch, and it's it's soft right now. It's mentally soft. Forget physically soft. I mean, they, they you know, you look at Rutgers, and quite frankly, uh, Rutgers looked bigger and stronger tonight. Well, a lot of that is because they have a, a, some veteran guys who are bigger and stronger, and IU is a very young team, still needs to develop their bodies and get tougher and all that stuff. But at the same time, you got to be mentally tough. And they just aren't. They aren't. Nobody on that team is mentally tough right now. Uh, I used. I think Al Durham might show some mental toughness, uh, but he makes some some mistakes too. I thought Al was the best player for IU tonight. He only scored eleven. Romeo had twenty. Morgan had fifteen. But I thought Al was the best player for Indiana tonight. Easily. I didn't think it was particularly close. And he was aggressive on both ends. He was fighting. He was battling. But nobody else joined him in that fight, and that was a problem. And, and I'm going to go back and talk about these bench guys because I feel like we have to. And, and you mentioned that. Um, 
I Demise Anderson, I'm as hard on him as anybody. Uh, I think that he's never ready to accept a pass. He is very flat-footed defensively. Uh, he's never ready to take a shot. You know, I mean, all those things we've talked about before. I'll give him credit for battling tonight, particularly in the second half. He's not quick. He's getting beaten by his guy defensively and all that. That dude fought for rebounds. He was willing to get down and dirty and rip the ball from guys and get in there. So I give Demisi credit tonight. He's not good in space, but he's good in a scrum on defense. And he right was now. he was willing to throw punches. I mean, basically in those scrums and fight. And you know what? That's something that a lot of guys. At least someone this, showed a little bit of it. Yeah, nobody else has shown any fight. Now, look, I I've been on the record since the offseason that I thought Demisi needed a redshirt because I thought his transition to college basketball would be a steep and painful one, and it has been. And the only reason he didn't redshirt is because of injuries, and they needed it. Uh, but He's a guy who, look, he went out tonight. He missed the two shots he took badly. Um, he was a couple times, you know, he caught the ball and he caught it with his hands like this towards his body because he wasn't ready to catch the ball, which, again, inexcusable when you're a shooter to not be uh, ready to catch the ball 100% of the time. But he fought and battled late. And that last possession where they missed three wide-open threes was solely because Demise Anderson worked his butt off and got two offensive rebounds, uh, or at least battled for two offensive rebounds. So I'll give him credit for that. Clifton Moore, he just needs to play more. He just doesn't look comfortable on the court because I don't care how many times you run it in practice, you do not, unless you get run in a game, you're not, I mean, there's nothing there for you to do. Yeah, he makes a lot of mistakes defensively, but you know what? If this season's going this way, throw him out there more. Jake Forrester just made stupid fouls tonight. That was it. They made stupid fouls. I mean, that, that moving screen, as Andy said, as soon as he walked over to set it, I was like, oh God. And it just it, it looked like it was going to be an illegal screen the whole time. Um, Evan Fitzner had two wide open threes that he just he missed by a mile. And, to and then throw, he wouldn't even shoot. Then he got yeah. skittish and like threw it to Demisi and, and they, who didn't want it either. They, they and, went from having two guys open to none because the pass yeah. was so bad no, from I, Fitzner. He used a San Diego reference. He missed that from La Jolla to La Mesa. Hmm. Um, Good reference and, that everyone in this audience will get. Well, he's a San Diego guy, right? <laughs> uh, but no, he just needs to. I, I, I wrote it on Twitter. If there are any young ladies who are Indiana uh, on Indiana's campus right now and you're out at the bars and you see Evan Fitzer, go up to him and tell him how handsome he is. Tell him how wonderful he is. You know, just lay it on really thick. The guy needs a shot of confidence. I don't care what it takes, ladies. Help the team out. You will be helping the team out. Uh, but he just needs he's just I would like so to say that Jared and I do not. Do not sign off. I didn't on say do anything <laughs> bad. Go up and tell the guy he's nice looking. Ryan asks us to do that for him when he's struggling with confidence, and we refuse. Yeah. When have I ever struggled with confidence? Come <laughs> on, man. Whether it's to, whether whether I I, sh I should be confident or not is the question. I'm always confident. Um, but no, mm. Fitzner just needs he needs confidence. He's a shooter with absolutely no confidence, which is the worst recipe in college basketball. Is a guy whose sole job is to shoot the ball and has no confidence. You know, you know, it's funny because as you say this, like I sent out a tweet in the middle of the game. I was like, you know, Fitzner can't buy a shot, but he's, you know, he's really hustling on defense. He sprinted back in transition. And I got right for, rightfully pilloried for that tweet because it was a lame observation. Someone even said, you know, like if we're just at the point where we're going to, you know, compliment somebody for sprinting down. But it was almost like I was, I was tweeting it to him. I was trying to find something to give him confidence. So the, the 8,000 responses to that, I get it. And it was a lame tweet. I fully understand. But yeah, I mean, he and he didn't play much, if at all, in the second half, and he really can't because if he's not going to make threes and be confident in those situations, he's just not bringing enough, you know, otherwise uh, to the floor. So, 
We're, we're 14 minutes in. We haven't hit stats yet, Andy. Are there any stats that you? I, I feel like this is the kind of the kind of show where no one really cares about stats because this game was not. I about think you've stats. said that for like three games in a row. But I'm not saying I'm not even saying you're wrong. But Maybe I we just need to remove the segment until we win, and there's some good stats to talk about. I mean, a, a couple things. One, I you got hammered on the glass again, uh, and I don't know that that's surprising given the size that that Rutgers has, but that continues to be a problem. Three point shooting. Six of 23 for the game, and that was after they hit three of their first six, I believe. So three of 17 the rest of the way. And some of those shots at the end, those, the possession that Ryan talked about, were just wide open shots. Uh, they missed a lot of wide open shots tonight. Also, IU had, I tweeted this out. Th- this speaks volumes to what happened to the offense. IU had assists on six of their first eight made field goals. They had one assist the rest of the game. Good on the Lord. On the last, on the last 13 makes, they had one assist. The game in the second half. And I think that speaks to some of the ball movement and guys standing around and why some of those shots to go back to our initial discussion were not necessarily good or or were not reflective of how the offense was playing when it was actually playing better uh, in the first half. 11 turnovers, not a terrible number, although compared to seven assists, it certainly is. Uh, 10 of 13 from the line, didn't get to the line enough uh, to be able to really be effective, but shot the ball you know, 35% from the floor for the game, 28% or 29% in the second half, just at some point, it almost doesn't matter what Rutgers did. And there were times when I used defense was really poor, uh, but I'm pretty sure that Rutgers still ended up with less than a point per possession over the course of the game, which for a team that struggles offensively is not good necessarily. It looks like right at one. They're right at one. So there were defensive breakdowns to be sure, but to me, it circles back to this team just cannot, cannot score and uh, bench points was 19 to two, I think, which is not particularly shocking given who IU had coming off the bench at that point. But, um, you know, just, it feels like more of the same Rutgers beat IU in fast break points. That was one of the keys that was discussed around how you get out in transition and, and be able to score. And the other was Rutgers did a good job of not turning the ball over. They turned it over eight of their first 13 possessions, only six times the remainder of the game and, and not at all. Uh, the rest of the first half. So after a really poor start, they were able to turn that around uh, in a way that really, you know, that was, it was not a coincidence that during that stretch, it's when they got back in the game. Yeah. All right. Um, Let's move on here. Keep breaking down additional angles of this game. Uh, Coming up on the assembly call, we're going to continue our breakdown of Indiana's loss to Rutgers. We need to talk about the coaching, talk about Archie, I'll talk about where we go from here because it feels awfully bleak and is awfully bleak. That's next on the assembly call. Stick with us. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game, plus every Thursday night at our website, assemblycall.com. You guys, there's a radio show tomorrow night. We get to keep talking about this. <laughs> Can't we just run this back? Thumbs up. Uh, <laughs> Who the hell would want to listen to this again? Uh, while you're at our website, assemblycall.com, make sure that you sign up for our free IU Hoops email newsletter. Over 6,000 of your fellow IU fans are subscribed. I laugh only because it's, you know, it's better than crying. It's better than just banging my head against this desk. It's better than any of the other alternatives. So I'm just going to laugh to mask my true feelings. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. We are breaking down Indiana's loss to Rutgers. We need to talk about the coaching. Um, you know, 
look, I, I think we're all we all feel relatively good in the big picture about the direction we think Archie is taking I mean, the, the the program. No, you're going to wait just a second. No, I'm going to step in for one. No, second. you're not going to step in for a second. You're going to wait because I got a point to make. Well, I'm just not going to pay attention to what you're saying. Call <laughs> so, me <laughs> you don't listen anyway. Um, I think we're all relative. We, we feel good about the the overall trajectory. But as each of these games start to stack up, even with all of the explanations that you can give with the injuries and with all the extenuating circumstances that have happened this season, it does grow more and more concerning that Archie and the coaching staff can't figure out something to stop the bleeding. And it's not that it's all on them. Obviously, the players have a huge responsibility in this, and maybe the individuals on this team are just so broken, there's literally nothing any coach could do but, you know, like the, the, there was something, Ryan, in the second half that bothered me. And this may be totally silly. And please feel free to say that this is the dumbest thing to have an observation about because it might be. So oh, I'm just good. prefacing I'm it. I'm prefacing it by saying that. At least but you about, got Ryan to start listening to you again. Yeah, I was, I, was you try, I was trying to, I was trying to get his in. attention. So but at about, at about the four-minute mark, you know, when Indiana is still kind of desperately trying to fight back, and it's a team that has struggled with just enthusiasm and fight. Archie's just sitting on the bench. He's just sitting. And there was something about it that bothered me. And again, it may be the dumbest thing ever to observe because Steve Peichel was also sitting, I noticed, at the same time. And sometimes coaches do that. But it, the way it felt to me, and again, maybe it was just the moment, is you know he doesn't know what to do, kind of exasperated, so he's just going to sit and watch it. And yeah. I, I just didn't like that. And, and, yeah. and I just say that. As it's a manifestation of, you know, earlier in the season, you felt so good about how this team would execute and kind of the game plan and, and, and the leadership that they were getting from the bench. And there's no other way to feel after seven games, but it's very hard to feel that same way. Now, we're not going to know until four or five years, you know, in year four or five, whether we reflect on this as a speed bump on the way back to greatness or, you know, a sign of what's to come. But... All I'm saying is it gets harder and harder with each of these losses to not expect a little bit more from the staff to figure something out to make this better. Once again, Morris, you're overreacting like an old woman. It's no, it, it's it. Look, it, he was up the entire game and they caught him at one point where he sat down for a minute. I, I don't think it was. I, I, I know no, exactly. he, was sit, he was sitting down for a couple minutes. I watched again. It may be dumb. It may be dumb in the fog of defeat. I get that. So bring on all your criticisms. I'm fine with that. I'm just saying I, I believe in the coaching staff long term, but it's very frustrating not seeing them be able to find any buttons to push to get this team out of the rut. And that, that's just concerning. It it's concerning it in the big picture and the, the small. What picture. are the two things that IU needed this year, needed more of this year, do you think? At the beginning of the season, if you if – you, two things this team needed to do better this year or needed more of – what would you say they would have been? Because I know exactly what the two things were. Say it and again, sir. I was reading all the YouTube people telling me I'm an idiot and overreacting. So. You are. You are. I mean, let's face it. Uh, no, I love you, but you're you're kind of kind okay. Of, yeah. Well, that's what we do on this show. Uh, no. It, what were the two things that I needed this year to be better at from last year? Or from last more year, of, that needed more of. We yeah. needed to shoot better, and we needed more depth. Okay, I, I agree with you on shoot better. That's one. The other one I would say is they need a more of an inside presence. Sure. Last yes. Year. And we need, and yeah, that's and that, that count depth is, you know, in there or whatever. What are the two things they do not have right now? 
both of those things. Exactly. That's the difference between this team being a good team and not. If Deron Davis is healthy and could score you eight points a game in the post, things look a little different, I think. If you had one guy who could stand out there like, say, oh, I don't know, a transfer from a Catholic school out in California, uh, could stand outside and stretch the floor and give you three threes a game, would this team look a little bit different? Yeah. They invested in some guys that haven't been there and haven't shown up. And yep. that's bad. That's bad. That's a bad job of the coaching staff. I don't know if Duran ever should have come back this year. Um, I, you know, I'm we not, wouldn't have about two or three wins if he hadn't. So I'm sure glad right. he did. You're right. But what did it cost us in the end? Because we were relying on him. Didn't get the younger guys as many minutes as they maybe could have gotten early in the season. And now Duran shut down and he might come back, but we don't know. He's not even a year removed from the Achilles surgery. I mean, and it takes 18 months to get back from that fully. So, I, you know, I'm not a doctor. Uh, in case you guys didn't know that, I'm not shot a doctor. doctor, but no. Um, yeah, but you know, I, I went to I went to some school in the Caribbean to get my PhD in shot shots. Uh, it's not real, but you know, so that's the problem right now is you can't shoot the ball. You have no inside presence. You play a team like Rutgers that has a couple big guys and they annihilate you on the glass. <clears throat> that's on the coaching staff for identifying the wrong guys in those positions and maybe not having the foresight that, hey, maybe putting pressure on Deron's leg is going to end up getting him hurt. And B, maybe a guy like Fitzner, who was barely a reserve at St. Mary's, isn't the guy to invest a roster spot in this year. I know they kind of did it last minute. It was, you know, and they figured, well, he's tall and could shoot. And I'm sure they scouted him more than I had. But the guy was barely playing at St. Mary's. Did we really think he was going to come in and set the world on fire in the Big Ten? This wasn't Max Bielfeld, where he was on a really good Michigan team and had been practicing against really good Michigan players for a long time, knew the Big Ten inside and out, and could step on the floor and be a guy who could really impact the game, and who, to Max Bielfeld's credit, improved his game tremendously the summer before his final season. Yeah. This offseason, I'm saying it right now, they better have a roster spot open and they better wow whatever grad transfer can shoot the heck out of the ball that comes to campus because they need that. And I don't know if they're going to have it on the roster, but this team looks a heck of a lot different if some guys can hit 35 to 40% of their threes consistently. It looks a whole lot different. And it's just not there with this team. It just isn't. And that happened some years. We've seen it in the past, but it changes everything they do, especially when you have a dribble drive heavy offense. If you don't, have guys who can knock down shots at the end of the game justin smith was standing out at the three-point line alone there was nobody within 13 feet of him and he passed the ball because he's not a three-point shooter and he can't shoot and he has a hitch in his shot that is ugly as sin and he should not shoot those jumpers until he fixes that but no, this is all this is all a big part of it there's no question right and and no and, and again confidence plays into it being hard-nosed being tough all of that stuff but this team never gets into this hole if it has the confidence to knock down shots, if it has the ability to knock down shots. And again, that's partially on the coaching staff. That's partially on the roster they inherited to, uh, to some degree and the recruits they inherited. Uh, it's, But again, it needs to be a huge focus of this team moving forward is improving those aspects. They need to get better in the post. Hopefully getting a guy like Trace Jackson Davis really does improve your ability to have a back-to-the-basket post guy who can just get it done down there. Hopefully the other guys develop a little better. Hopefully one of your key 
you know, out uh, uh, perimeter defenders and a guy like Zach McRoberts actually is willing to shoot the ball. And, and so I'm saying all of these things have factored into this. Now it's at the point where because things are going badly and these guys have no confidence in themselves, they can't take a punch. They just can't. And you're right. This team took punches earlier in the season because it was more well-rounded and it could do different things and it could be a little versatile. Now it can't. And there's, you know, there's one path to victory and that's scoring like 40 points in the paint and getting some free throws really and getting one or two, three pointers to fall. That's the path to victory. And that's an insanely narrow path to victory. And it's easy to defend. And we're we're finding every week. Andy, please. Yeah. I think to not to completely circle back to your original point to just let that point hang there. I should have let Ryan stop that. I'm just on tilt because we've lost seven in a row. (laughs) <laughs> you know what I, th- I think is is interesting and this was mentioned multiple times during this during this streak you know it was the northwestern game where you can hear him calling out every single thing but I, like i said that was a play things were st- uh, probably beyond starting to go off the rails but it was early in the second half they had you know Rutgers had hit a ball out of bounds and iu is going to have the ball underneath and instead of like trying to regroup as a team there were multiple guys in the frame like looking over at the bench so th- part of that would suggest to me like, yeah, maybe you shouldn't be sitting down because this team, for whatever reason at this point in the season is completely reliant on looking over there to figure out what they need to do, which is in some, I think in a lot of ways is, is damning to the effort that has been done from a coaching standpoint that you're 20 plus games into the season or 20 games into the season, whatever it is at this point. And this team can't really doesn't seem like it can function without really looking over and doing some of those things. I think that's also reflective of the, you know, lack of on-court leadership and, and, and things like that. It, you know, it seemed like a, a minor point at the end of the game, at, at which point I'd already wished that I was not watching it any longer, but Demizi gets tangled up with the guy in Rutgers and Omaruyi or whatever. I may have just butchered his last name, but I think that's I think that was pretty good. Actually close to being correct. He basically yanks the guy out of there and, and is calming him down and saying, this isn't, you know, don't do something stupid in this scenario. And then Crispin went on to talk about the Rutgers called a you know players only meeting. And, and he basically stood up and said like, this is not going to happen again. Not to belabor what I said after the Michigan game, nobody on IU at this point is willing to do that and has been willing to do that. Or they feel like they can't do that because maybe they're underclassmen or whatever the case may be. But there is not one person on the team that anybody feels concerned to disappoint. And you know, this goes back to you know feeling that well with no depth, it's not like the over bench, and over again. It, with no depth, it's like the bench can be used as a weapon. You know, again, against. I mean, I hear that's that argument, but at some point, however, it can yeah. be. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, how many times? At some point, you have to the, sacrifice the I, I, the battle I, to win the war. I agree. Yeah, how many times have we heard the like, oh, we need to play, we need to play more of these guys, and then they play a little bit, and and. I was calling out a lot of things that Clifton Moore did wrong, but I'm also not sure he played in the second half. And at some point, do you, do you say, you know what? Juwan Morgan is not able to, to bang with as big a guys as Rutgers has. Maybe he should play the four and Justin Smith should sit down and, and play Forrester or Clifton Moore at the five. That's the part where I say, you get, you got to do something different. I get all the injuries. I get the things that you wish that you had, but you know what? we don't have those things right now. It's clear that those things aren't there. So figure out something to make incremental progress because it isn't like last year's team had 
any better in those scenarios, but that team fought. And, mm-hmm. and maybe that gives a heck of a lot of credit to what Freddie McSwain was able to get out of his abilities. But it's not like you lost a big guy. You know, Freddie McSwain was 6'5", maybe 6'6", trying to, you know, play center for that team. And they didn't have guys that could shoot. But the level of fight that that team showed, to me, is far different than what has been seen from, from this group. Not that there weren't mistakes being made with, with that team. There were turnover issues. There were lots of things going wrong. And I'm not saying this team has quit. I don't necessarily believe that they have. But I, I, the level of fight with a similarly flawed roster, probably, I don't, I don't know. It's hard to say. They, they it, haven't it, quit because they came out and played okay, but they've quit getting up off the mat once they get knocked down. No, I, I yeah. honestly, I agree with everything Andy say. I do. Yeah. I, I think that you're right. I mean, the, the coaching staff has to come up with something. They've been put in this situation. Some of it of their doing, some of it not, some of it's bad luck, but you need to be able to roll with the punches and figure something out, whether it is starting Clifton Moore at the five or, or Jake Forrester or whoever, and moving Juwan off the block and, you know, doing something different. I, I totally get that. And I think that I, I agree. And something has to change. You've done the same thing for seven straight games and it definitely is not working. You're going to get Michigan state this week. Let's face it. That don't, might be number eight. Don't make tonight worse. I mean, might be yeah. number eight, might be number eight. Who knows? Uh, I'm always excited. Not even I'm talking da- myself into that one. Yeah. yeah, well, I'm always excited to watch my daughter play basketball, but I could not be more excited that she has a yeah. game at the same time as the Michigan State game on Saturday. My daughter's oh, two and a half. I'm sure. getting her in a basketball league before Saturday. Oh, great. Hey, there's still time, Jared. So Jared and I have to do this one alone on yeah. Saturday. Great. That's going to be fun. Uh, I couldn't talk myself. I, I was not confident about tonight's game. That's you know th- that's where we are. Now, part of that is because Rutgers has been playing better. I, mean, I think they're a better Rutgers team than normal. But the other part is that the way that this game unfolded, sadly, is kind of how I thought it was going to unfold. I didn't necessarily think we'd play quite as good at the beginning of the game as we did, and that got my hopes up, and I was encouraged. But once they punched back, we just didn't have we didn't have a counterpunch. We didn't have a way to fight back, and that's that's the most disheartening and dispiriting thing about this entire streak is just how often Indiana has gotten knocked to the mat and not been willing or able to get back up. Whichever one it is, doesn't make it any less depressing. You guys have any final thoughts before we move on to the final segment of the show? Lord, no. Okay. No. Okay. All right. Well, let's let's move on. It's one of those yeah. nights, Jared. It is. Yeah. It's really <laughs> what I mean. What is there to say that hasn't been said already? And to go through players at this point, I mean, I think we've hit on most of them anyway. But to really delve any deeper into much of that feels feels unnecessary it's the it's the same story there's a a lack of toughness that we've we've talked about and the you know like i said in the opening it felt like it took one layup from from Rutgers to to seize the momentum back that iu had from being up 10 points and playing fairly well for the better part of the first half and it just felt like one layup was all it took to start pushing things off the cliff and and there and the next thing you know it's a 22 to nothing run uh, against Rutgers, for God's sake. Yeah, that's says it all right there. All right, coming up on our final segment, we hand out our game ball, hit any other storylines we haven't hit, and then in last call, we'll deliver our final thoughts on Indiana's loss to Rutgers, and I'll discuss why I was also bothered when Archie was standing up, because I was just bothered by everything tonight. It was that kind of night. Stick with us.
You're listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, and we are wrapping up our breakdown of Indiana's loss to Rutgers, the seventh straight loss for the Hoosiers, and things don't look a whole lot rosier ahead on the schedule as Indiana goes to Michigan State on Saturday. Gentlemen, this is the time in the show when we always hand out our game balls. I have a pretty good idea where all three of us are going to go with our game balls. You know, and I guess I just want to preface this by saying that when you just look at the box score, you know, and you look at Romeo's numbers, 20 points, you know, six rebounds, two blocks, three steals. I mean, he was really active defensively early. You know, Juwan Morgan, 15.7 boards, two blocks. Like, the numbers are okay. But as we've talked about, you know, it's the the timing of them, the inability to step up in big moments. You know, the fact that Romeo had to take 20 shots to get his 20 points, and his defense really deteriorated as the night went on, and he really seemed to allow a missed shot or a no call to affect his 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 attitude. And look, this guy is a freshman who is being counted on for a lot on the road, so I do want to be fair to him. Like, freshmen are going to struggle with the emotional part of the game, so that needs to be taken into account, but still... You know, a lot's expected of him, and I think rightfully so, and he needed to be better tonight, as did Juwan Morgan. So I'm fairly certain none of us are going to give our game balls to those guys, and I just nope. want to make it clear why, and maybe we don't because I think everybody will probably, you know, probably agrees with us, but that's why, despite the numbers, those are guys who get held to a higher standard than just the numbers. And tonight, oh. the numbers didn't, weren't suggestive of the impact that they needed to have on the game. Al Durham was the best player on the floor for Indiana tonight. And yeah, he, he, he was my pick, too. And he played 37 minutes, and there's a reason why. He had 11 points, 5 of 10 from the field. Uh, a couple of those misses he got fouled on. They didn't call it. Uh, one oh, of my God, that one. He just got yeah. hammered. He had two or three where he got fouled. One was a three-pointer where he got fouled. Uh, he got hit on the wrist. Um, but three rebounds, two assists, but he was in it all night. He was locked in all night playing hard, trying to even, you know, a couple times he drove the ball when there wasn't really anything there just to make something happen because nothing else was going on. He's a guy who is growing in confidence. He's a really good player. I love that he's willing to shoot a mid-range jumper when the three isn't there, and he knocked one down tonight. Uh, I, I just thought he was absolutely the guy, and if you're looking for a guy who's a leader and, and by example, that was the guy tonight. He fought the whole night. Other guys didn't. By the way, is it just I, I want to research this, but I don't know exactly where to do it. I feel like the majority of his offensive production comes when Romeo's off the court. Because he's know. kind of, I'm, I'm fairly certain that like a lot of like his big run late was when Romeo was off the court. I know some of that happened in the Northwestern game because it feels like he's a little bit freer to because we need someone to drive and when Romeo's on the court, it's him and Al's able to get more of those opportunities. So I'd like to see them balance that a little bit more, um, even when Romeo's off the court. Um, anyway, Andy, uh, Al's obviously the pick. Do you have anybody that you want to throw in an honorable mention to, or do you just want to talk more about Al? Uh, let's just talk more about Al. He was the only guy to shoot 50% from or better from the field, which is telling. Uh, he, he, was shot five, he was five of 10. Yeah. I mean, nobody else was, Justin Smith was the only other guy who was really close at three for seven. We were once like top five in the country in field goal percentage. That feels like a long time ago to be it was perfectly like three honest weeks. <laughs> Yeah, well, been a long three weeks. It's been a long three weeks. So, yeah, I mean, he only had one turnover, did foul out, but I mean, he fouled out and still played 37 minutes. So I, I thought he, for really the second straight game, was a guy who seems to have a really good grasp on what he's doing when he's playing well and has done a nice job of really picking his spots of, as Ryan said, when to pull up for a jumper, when to when to be able to take it all the way to the rim, 
and uh, you know knocked down another three. Had a couple other good looks. Uh, he, he's playing with as much confidence as anybody right now on a team that's pretty devoid of it. And it's also not anybody, so much. But. That's also true. Yes. Um, but it, I, the other thing that I would say is when you think about some of the comments that that Archie has made about leadership. I think this was on the, the radio show, his coach's show earlier this week, where basically saying like the leadership was up for grabs, I think, or something um, to that effect. Al really has been the only one for me outside of, you know, the, the normal guys you might think of that seems to have really stepped forward and tried to tried to do that. Again, he and Justin were going back and forth. I'm not really sure the nature of what that was about, but at least he was, getting guys together and and trying to have some discussion. So what that was about, maybe if, if I had the stomach to go back and watch parts of this game to figure out what was really going on there. But I think he's taking a real step in that area. And I think Finnessy would be the other guy who you would expect to, to take a step forward in that area, maybe accelerating what you think he'll be a few years down the line. Tonight certainly wasn't that for him, but I, I'm interested to watch that because at, at this point of the season, certainly after this loss, it feels like the look ahead to next season is going to set in pretty quickly. And so you want to start to see of guys who are going to be around, who's really going to be the the leaders of that team, because it's pretty much since Yogi was gone, that that leadership void has been really apparent uh, with the program from a player standpoint. And that's concerning on a variety of levels. So you, you feel like you want to start to see who's going to fill that void. And through the last couple of games, at least, Al would be a hundred percent the one who's really stepped up to try to do that in my estimation. Yeah. Uh, I, I got to say something about Al and, and Justin, uh, Al is an intense kid and he plays intense and he looks intense when he's on the floor and he looks like, you know, at times like he's really having fun. You'll see him grin when he hits a big shot, whatever. Mm-hmm. Justin plays a very sleepy game and, and he just doesn't look intense. He looks like, you know, despite that insane athleticism and sometimes making great plays, he just looks like he's not into the game very much. I want Al getting into Justin Smith. I want him to push Justin Smith because yeah. Justin, an intense focus Justin Smith would be huge for this team. Mm-hmm. He's just not there. Yeah. That's all. And, you know, and, and I think what we're learning about Juwan Morgan through this season, like he's he's a fantastic individual player. So when we criticize Juwan, it's not that he we don't he appreciate. Yeah, his, yes, he, he is. But certain guys are cut out to be you know, the alpha on a basketball team and certain guys are probably better in a second or third role where their leadership is more kind of by production, you know, and, and that seems to be where Juwan is probably more comfortable. You know, you need a guy like Yogi, you know, you need one of those just bona fide leader types. Heck, you know, a guy like Michael Lewis, put him on this team. You know, that's what this team is missing that they don't have. And, you know, we're probably going to come on here and continue to say the same things for the rest of the season. But hopefully a guy like Al is able to emerge. One last thing that I want to hit. We're, I'm not about to look ahead to the Michigan State game tonight because there's not one pleasant thing about doing that. Um, I would also ask that we not look ahead to it tomorrow night on Assembly Call Radio either, if I can go ahead and submit that suggestion. Maybe we should also just not talk about it Saturday after the game. Ryan, maybe Super Bowl preview? Sure, why not? Okay, <laughs> all right. <laughs> the IU Michigan State Super Bowl preview coming Saturday afternoon, uh, Saturday evening on the radio show tomorrow night too. Why not? <laughs> yeah. um, okay, one one comment that we'll get to last call in just a second, but I want to hit this comment from Coach in the chat because I think it really hits on something interesting. You know that that is something Archie's going to have to prove he can do because right now, like we have obviously faith in Archie moving forward, 
But it's faith in him showing his ability to do something he hasn't done yet. What Coach said is coaching talent is not easy, and Archie is struggling with this. His Dayton team's always had a chip on their shoulder. Hope he figures it out. And that is true. Like, the system that we're seeing Archie play, as you said, Ryan, it's got kind of a, 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 especially with this personnel, there's a very thin margin for error. And it requires guys playing hard for 40 minutes and fighting and getting every 50-50 loose ball and getting rebounds against guys that are, that are taller than them and taking a punch and coming back and taking a punch and coming back because you're probably going to have some offensive lulls. And that's not happening with this team. Now, part of that, you know, maybe part of that is talent. Maybe part of it is there aren't, they aren't guys he recruited. Maybe part of it is just guys are losing confidence for reasons outside of his control and he can't get it back because, you know, he can't force them to have confidence. So there may be lots of reasons there, but it is a good point from Brian that that is something he's going to have to prove that we haven't seen and we can all have as much faith in it as we want to and confidence in it as we want to, but that is ultimately going to determine his success at Indiana because the recruiting has obviously been very good so far, but he's also going to have to prove that a higher level of recruit, he can get them to play the way he wants them to play or, you know, he's going to have to alter his system or something. But I just, that is an interesting point from coach that I thought was worth kicking around just a little bit. Andy, feel free to kick first because Ryan didn't immediately jump in. Mm, that's just stunning. He's probably waiting until I start talking and then he's going to jump right in over me. All right. So, <laughs> Go, Andy. I knew it. Uh, I do think the chemistry uh, that the three of you have. Sorry. <laughs> I do. I, I do think it's been a challenge, and I, it, it's one of those things where I feel like people have brought up, brought that up a little bit, and kind of talked about, especially lately, how this team has played at times when Romeo isn't on the floor or when Romeo has been struggling as he has been. There's a certain component of that that is. What, what did you expect you got to do? Not recruit the best player to come out of the state in years. You can't expect that. You have to be, he has to be a guy that you want. But I do think it's an uncomfortable position or at least an unfamiliar position, maybe a better way to put it for him to figure out how to use and coach a, a guy the likes of which he was not going to get to come to Dayton. Doesn't mean he didn't have good players, but certainly not to that level. And really trying to figure out how best to use him, how best to have other guys play off of him. Last season was, even though we would say Juwan uh, was was a terrific player and had a terrific season, he he didn't even last year fit that superstar type billing. And Archie, I think, found ways to have guys play off of him. It was a limited offensive team, but you had one focal point that really everything tried to run through and whatever you could get offensively was going to come off of him. And it has been a challenge to figure out everyone's immediate reaction was you have two of the 10 best players in the big 10 and maybe you do, but trying to figure out how to get those guys to play together, I think is something that he has struggled with as defenses have figured out how to game plan against a team that doesn't have a lot of outside shooting. So I do think it's something to watch and it's, it's something even with guys, the caliber of Trace Jackson Davis and, and Keon Brooks, should he decide to come to IU, they at least seem to project as, maybe two-year players or multi-year players in, in some regard where you're able to build some of that up. And so in a, in a situation where you're really trying to build culture, build continuity, build defensive systems and those kinds of things, it does become hard for him to try to figure out, I would imagine, what to do with a guy like that. But you, you can't be in a situation where you say, like, look, I don't, I don't, I don't need this guy. I don't want this guy to win. So it, it's a really 
difficult position for him to be in, even from an initial recruiting standpoint. But it's it's something to watch, and I think it's something that has been a struggle for the team. Certainly, as things have started to, it's easy to say, "Hey, this this is going great when you're winning games," but as it's started to not go well, I think to really be able to be critical of of him or things like that, I think that's been a, a struggle. Ryan, do you want to you know take no. this? You just want to get out of here. Yeah, I do. You're ready to go. I, I, honestly, I, 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 Archie Miller's smart enough to figure out how to coach talent. Uh, maybe this year has been. Awkward. Yeah, he, he may just need to to you know go through a rough experience to learn because he's still a young coach. That's an important uh, point to make. But I also think that he's a guy who has a system and he's the players for that system. And I don't think he has them yet. And, and maybe uh, we all thought that he might have better players for a system this year, uh, but it's just not to the level that I think we thought it would be. Uh, and he also needs guys who are willing to fight and play the way he did when he was playing and scrap and battle. And they had that last year. They absolutely did. They weren't good last year, but they fought. Freddie McSwain, man. Freddie McSwain. And it wasn't just him. There were other guys too, you know, that, that scrapped and fought and battled mm-hmm. this year. You're just not seeing it. And maybe it's the youth on the team. They just, they haven't been through it. They don't know what it takes to win a game. They don't know how hard you actually have to fight to win a game in the big 10. And they don't uh, have upperclassmen showing them. Yeah, and it, and and I think that's part of it, and, and I think that we, you know, the win of this year, optimistic that a guy like Devonte Green would be a leader as well, and that hasn't really panned out. Uh, Juwan is less of a vocal leader. Um, you don't have a, a Colin Hartman, uh, Troy Williams, uh, uh, Yogi being vocal on the floor. I mean, those guys were all vocal leaders, uh, regardless of the results. Those guys were all vocal leaders, and you don't have that this year. And you don't have guys who lead by example. I mean, Zach McRoberts' impact has been so muted this year because of injuries. So there's there's just a lot that's gone wrong this year. And guys you were relying on who just aren't, you know, providing what they need to provide. So uh, as we said, this team is mentally weak, and, and that's where we're at right now. Yep. All right. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. Remember that because you're an Assembly Call listener, you get 15% off your entire order at HoosierProud.com and HomeFieldApparel.com. So if you want officially licensed IU gear, go to HomeFieldApparel.com. And if you want one of our Assembly Call logo t-shirts or one of Hoosier Proud's unique Indiana-inspired designs, visit HoosierProud.com. And on both sites, use the promo code ASSEMBLY at checkout for 15% off your entire order. All right, guys. It's time for last call. I imagine we'll all make it pretty quick tonight. Andy, final thoughts on Indiana's seventh consecutive loss? Uh, Just another really lackluster performance and I think that's sometimes the stretches of playing that way have been long during this this losing streak sometimes they've been been shorter than others but that that to me has really been the theme in terms of for stretches of time getting completely away from anything that has been worked on in practice has been uh, emphasized just carelessness poor decision making in what can be really long stretches for this team have really undermined them. You can't look back at one of these games and and not find a, a long stretch of play where they just got smoked. Uh, whether it was the start against Michigan, the middle of this game, whatever whatever the case may be, this team gets into these long stretches and spirals out of control, and there's nobody there, whether on the bench or on the floor, that seems able uh, to stop them. And that speaks to the confidence. That speaks to all the things that we've talked about over the course of the show. But it is. Uh, Pretty pretty disappointing to see on a night in night out basis that there just don't seem to be answers for how to to turn these streaks around and instead of giving up six points it becomes 
17 or 22 uh, and who knows what else it'll be, but it's a, this is a a tough team to watch right now for a variety of reasons and a tough team to really come up with, uh, you know, break new intellectual ground when talking about uh, because they're, they're just, you know, everybody's watching the same thing. There's, there's not a whole lot of, uh, not a whole lot of good to say. No excuses left to be made at this point. You've got your team. You got to figure out how to use the pieces that you have and, and try something different and figure out how to dig your way out of it to at least salvage something out of a season that was once so promising and now is uh, is going down the toilet. I mean, Ryan, maybe we're all overreacting. Indiana was walking into the bear's mouth, known as the rack tonight. I mean, that's you know historically wow. just such a yeah, such yeah. a such a difficult place to play. I can hear those gums flapping from here, Morris. Walking um, into a bear's mouth. Okay, go. So. look, let's be real here. Archie Miller's not going anywhere. His seat isn't hot. I don't care what people are saying around Twitter and on the radio airwaves. Archie Miller's not going anywhere anytime soon. Okay. This is about this team. And this is about this team improving. I know this year has sucked and last year sucked, but the long-term vision for the program he has is still something that a lot of people around Indiana believe in. I happen to be one of them. Do I think that he's done a stellar coaching job this year? No, of course not. And I do think there are areas he needs to improve as well. There's areas that this team needs to improve. There's areas they need to improve as far as talent acquisition and filling out the roster, making it more balanced and all of that stuff. But we're at where we're at right now because this team is not where it needs to be mentally. And I do blame the coaching staff for a significant portion of that. This team has just gotten down on itself and it's it. It's really sad to see because you look at a team that went 12 and two and beat a team like Marquette, who Marquette's not playing a whole lot differently than they were when Indiana played them. Indiana just beat them. And Marquette doesn't do anything tricky that Indiana figured out and did, you know, they just guarded Marcus Howard well and they forced them into contested three pointers and they, they worked hard on defense. And that's how they beat Marquette and nailed some open threes. And Marquette is now a top 10 team and playing really well. That's the same team this Indiana team spanked in November. So we know the talent is there if this team plays right. The problem is this team isn't playing right. This team is not counterpunching when it gets punched. It's not responding when it needs to respond, and it's allowing itself to get into these ruts where the players feel sorry for themselves, and by the time they snap out of it, they're so far behind that it doesn't matter. And that is unacceptable on every level from the players, the coaches, the managers, the trainers, everybody. That is unacceptable. And it is on Archie Miller, who, again, I believe in and think will be a very good coach at Indiana for a long time. It's on him to figure this out. And I don't know if it takes, uh, if he needs to take up yoga or something or meditation. I don't know what, but he needs to do some self-reflection and figure this out because this season has gone down the toilet so fast and a quick winning streak could really turn it around. If he starts doing yoga on the sidelines. Now we're That'd be impressive, have, actually. That, that actually he won't, he won't, be, he won't, he won't be, sitting, be sitting, so Jared will be happy. If he's, if he's watching the game from a downward dog, I'm, uh, I'm going to have some real questions. Um, look, Seven straight losses for Indiana. It doesn't look to get any better quickly as Indiana faces Michigan State, and then you come home for games against Iowa and Ohio State. You know, as we've said, there are there are wins still on the schedule, but boy, it's hard to see it right now. It's really going to take some improvement from this team, and so that doesn't do a whole lot of good to look ahead right now. 
you know, the only, I guess, thing that gives me some teeny, tiny, small modicum of comfort is, you know, thinking to the future. And look, we know Archie's going to be here four years, five years at, at, at a minimum. And I think that's fair to give him this, you know, the opportunity to, to do that. Absolutely. Even as bad as these seven, inexplicably bad as these seven games have been. And so the only thing that, that, that I take of the smallest bit of solace in is the hope that four or five years from now, we look back on this time as something that the program really learned from. And I don't know what exactly those lessons will be, you know, that it, you know, that, that, that it helped Archie to identify a leader that will carry us through the next few years, that he learned something about, you know, how to help instill toughness in a team that didn't have it, that, you know, he figures something out offensively for like, I don't know what it will be, but that's the only hope that I can draw right now because the alternative is just sitting wallowing in seven straight defeats that have taken a once promising season and just shoved it absolutely down the toilet. And that's now two out of the last three seasons that that's happened where Indiana has started really well and just faded in a bewildering way down the stretch. Two different coaches, almost completely different sets of personnel. Um, and it's obviously been hard for all of us to watch. And, you know, if tonight is any indication, it will continue to be hard to watch as we march through this season. But the Hoosiers still have 10 games left. They still have opportunities to, if not totally get things turned around, at least finish the season with some pride and and, and making better showings of themselves than what they have and for young guys to step up. Because, Andy, as you said, that's that's what people will start looking to as we move forward. So there aren't really any other words of hope or optimism or anything like that that I can offer you on a night like tonight, and I don't really think that you want to hear them. I mean, this is a game where everybody, a night where everybody associated with Indiana basketball probably should be feeling this loss and wallowing in it a little bit and, you know, I suppose fantasizing forward toward better days, but those days feel far away on a night when you lose at Rutgers, drop your seventh in a row, um, and answers certainly for this season seem uh, fleeting if they're there at all. All right, that'll do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Um, If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. You can also subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening tonight. We'll be back tomorrow night for Assembly Call Radio. And then Saturday, no matter what happens, that IU-Michigan State game, we'll be here to break it all down for you. Hopefully the Hoosiers play better there than they did tonight. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support The Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate, another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show... We appreciate it. Thank you.
Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client.